Welcome to Coffee Table Mythos. I'm Eliza. And I'm Leah. Grab your favorite beverage and let's talk myths. So, um, I know you're drinking water, Leah, but how about you tell everyone what you were drinking earlier today? It was really sad, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) I was drinking a La Colombe caramel latte draft out of the can. They are one of my favorites. And... I blacked out, and I drank the whole thing without realizing it, and then threw away the container without realizing it. So then, when I wanted to get my drink, I'm like frantically searching the house, multiple floors, checking and rechecking, trying to find this (laughs) can, because I wanted the rest of my drink that I was sure I had not finished, and... Eliza was helping me. We couldn't find it. And eventually she was just like, why don't you check the trash can for the can to make sure you didn't throw it away? And that's where it was. And I was so sad. So now I'm drinking water because I have had a lot of caffeine today. Yeah, before that she had a creamsicle rain. rain. And before that I had regular coffee. Yep. (laughs) So... What I had before I had my water now was um, I tried Starbucks Nitro in a can, cold brew, with the sweet vanilla cream. And it was pretty damn good. Like, So I had Leah taste it because it smelled really good when I initially like, opened the can. It smelled very good. It smelled really good. But when I had her taste it, she said it tasted more like a beer than it did a coffee. Yeah, it's not as sweet as I prefer. I thoroughly enjoyed it. However, I drank it, like, super fast, so it is gone. And before that, I also had a rain, but I had a cherry limeade. And before that, I had Highland Grog Bones coffee. Black. And it was great. Was it a lot of caffeine? Sure. Was it over the 300 milligrams that a normal person should have? Oh, hell yeah. I regret nothing. When did we ever say that we were normal? <laughs> I don't think we ever did, so that should have been your first warning. Can we tell them about what we did today before we go into this, all the Greek craziness that we're about to... Sure. And so, we did a thing. I've been planning on chopping my hair off. Now, you all haven't seen pictures of me if you are listening from someplace other than people I know. My hair down- was down to my ass. And I mean that quite literally, because I have pretty... When I say curly hair, I mean it's, like, long, big curls. And it's, like, dark blonde. Mm -hmm. And I've had my hair, without getting it cut, since, I want to say, 2018. It's been since 2018, since it's just been trimmed. And before that, I hadn't had a cut since 2016 or 15. It's been a hot minute, so... I've been looking at basically, I don't know if anybody kind of understands what I say when I mean like Ruby Rose or, um, I'm sure quite a few of our followers understand. (laughs) So essentially I wanted a a haircut. Eventually I want to go down to a faux hawk, Mm -hmm. but I was so fucking scared to see how my hair was going to look short. I was really worried my head wasn't going to look all that great. With shorter hair. And uh, Leah actually agreed to assist me. (laughs) Because we got some of the products and then they were right next to a hair cuttery. 
which is one of the like common salons over here. And I went to go inside and they said that they on the door it said walk-in appointments. Leah was with me. So I walk in and I asked the ladies, I'm like, do you have any walk-in appointments? And they said not till at least 2.30. And we were just like, well, that's like another hour and a half from now. So fuck that. So <laughs> we get in the car. We had already purchased hair products to prepare for when my hair was going to be short. Not thinking my hair was going to get shorter until March 20th because I had pre-done an appointment through somebody I found off of Reddit. And essentially, <clears throat> Leah was like, well, I could cut your hair. And I'm like, how confident are you? She's like, I've watched YouTube videos. And I used to get cut my hair when it was a pixie cut. And I was like, bet. So <laughs> we went back to the house and requested to borrow her dad's. What is it, what is it called again? Razor? Razor. Yeah, his razor. His electric razor. His electric razor. Yeah, that he uses for, for buzz cuts. Yeah. And um, we got all the little attachments and stuff. And then Leah already had like a a straight razor, was it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. For texturing for hair. For texturing hair. So first she cut off like a good chunk of it. But then she was so self-conscious about how short my hair was getting that every like half an inch she was like, is this, is this short enough? <laughs> and I'll be like, no. Because <laughs> there was a very specific TikTok I was trying to like kind of mimic. And I think she did a pretty good job. Thank you. We eventually got there. And now both sides of my head are very, very cold in comparison to normal. And my head's a lot lighter. I think I lost a few pounds today, guys. And it's great. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Like, the big reason I don't like having such long hair is because it gets in the way of everything. It falls off. You have your hair up when you're doing lifting. It's a pain in the ass on a bench. Trying to, like, lay flat on it. Mm-hmm. Laying flat anywhere, really, and having your hair up is a bitch. And then other other things can be a nuisance. But all of those things go away when you have a lot shorter hair. Mm-hmm. So we got this really pretty rainbow. It's kind of like an oil slick yeah, rainbow. Yeah, rainbow um, and black hair dryer. Listen, guys, I've never bought myself a nice hair dryer before. And today I made the jump. Got a hair dryer. I got a short hair straightener with the ceramic plates. I got sexy hair frenzy goop for my hair, (laughs) essentially, for styling and texturing. And oh my god. (laughs) Anyways, tomorrow we're dyeing it aquamarine. Yeah. I'm so excited. It's gonna be great. Because teal is my absolute favorite color. So I'm excited. My coworkers, I kept telling them, I'm like, I'm gonna cut my hair off. I'm gonna cut my hair off. And they're all like, okay, you gotta warn us because it's gonna be a shock when you try coming into the office and your hair's gone. And I'm just kind of like, yeesh. <laughs> Meanwhile, Leah, tell everyone what you did to your hair. I just gave myself a trim. I still have very long hair. And then I also dyed it a very deep reddish brown. Yes. We're just gonna leave it at that. It's beautiful. I love it. Did a great job. So we got... All kinds of stuff done today and situated. This whole weekend. Like, we were watching this movie. What was it called? Nomadland? Mm Mm-hmm. The lead actress is the same from Miss Pettigrew, Lives for a Day. I love that film. So I saw her. I was like, I need to watch this. Just saying. (laughs) It's a really good film. You should go watch it. (laughs) 
It just came out in February, I'm pretty sure. I'm not usually, like, a fan of movies like that, and I hadn't planned on paying attention to it. Yeah. I was actually writing up today's episode when we originally started watching it, Mm -hmm. and then, like, I stopped doing that because it caught my attention. Yeah. Well, watching that, I saw the main character going through so many different jobs. I was thinking, oh, man, I did so many jobs this year just because the pandemic had so many different jobs that I was like, oh, shit, I have to do my taxes. And I still haven't received one of my W-2s, so that led me to looking through the confines of the interwebs and finally finding it. And I did my taxes, and I missed the whole last 30 minutes of that movie. But it was still very good. The ending of the movie was good. The ending was really good. Yeah. (laughs) I got really distracted. Anyway, sorry for that huge long tangent before we're actually getting to the material, but I just was so excited I wanted to talk about it. Works for me. All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, we're going to jump into Greek Week. Now, I know we haven't really delved too deep into the Greek gods specifically. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to start covering some of them. Basically ones that I'm actually interested in, but I haven't actually done thorough research in before. Okay. Because, to be honest, before we started this podcast, I'd heard the stories and tales of them, but I hadn't actually looked into the origins and where these, like, what the actual tales were. I had just seen what I'd seen on, like, you know, TV shows and movies of Greek mythology. Right, which are very misleading, but we'll get into that later. let's do Artemis. Today I'm talking about the Greek goddess Artemis, and there's so much I did not know about her prior to this. And I mainly did this because I haven't seen my street cat that I've been feeding, that I have called Artemis, just stopped showing up at our door. Pretty sure Artemis is is a lady. And the lady cat has not been around for quite a few months. My hope is that she's been adopted because... She was super friendly. Super friendly. Like the most personable cat I think I've ever met off of the streets. Anyway, so we're going to talk about Artemis. Now, Artemis is the Greek goddess of the hunt. Wilderness, wild animals, the moon, and chastity. The Roman equivalent is Diana... And the first thing I thought was Wonder Woman when I saw that. (laughs) She is most commonly the daughter of Zeus and Leto. Leto is the daughter of the Titans Coas and Phoebe, sister of Asteria. Now, Leto conceived twins Artemis and Apollo when her hidden beauty accidentally caught the eye of Zeus. There's little unknown about Leto except the pregnancy and that Hera made it hard for Leto to find a birthplace for Artemis and Apollo by causing all lands to shun Leto. Leto found an island not attached to the ocean floor, therefore it was not considered land and she was able to give birth. Artemis was the patron protector of young girls and believed to bring disease upon women and relieve them of it. She was worshipped as one of the primary goddesses of childbirth and midwifery, along with Elidia. She preferred to remain a maiden and swore to never marry. Artemis was one of the most widely respected of the ancient Greek deities, and her temple at Ephesus was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Her symbols include the bow and arrow, quiver and hunting knives, deer and cypress were also sacred to her. I think there's a few other plants, but I will get into that later. Okay. Yes, I did look into that. (laughs) I appreciate it. Yeah. Her Roman equivalent was 
especially worshipped on the Aventine Hill in Rome near Lake Nemi in the Alban Hills and in Campania. When looking at etymology, it's possible pre-Greek and may be related to the Greek arctos, which means bear. Mm -hmm. Supported by the bear cult, the goddess, the Neolithic remains, and Arcadiotisa cave, as well as the story of Callisto, which was originally about Artemis. At least that's what it said on the thing that I read. I do get into the story of Callisto, don't you worry. Interesting. Okay, so what was believed to be a precursor to Artemis was a Minoan Crete goddess of mountains and hunting named Britomartis. It was also argued that the name is of Persian origin. There are various conflicting accounts of the birth of both Apollo and Artemis. However, all accounts agree on the parentage of Zeus and Leto, which is very rare. Yeah. Considering all of the Greek things we have talked about thus far. And that Apollo and Artemis were twins. The island of Delos disobeyed, according to Calamatus, Hera in letting Leto give birth there. I keep thinking of the sun god Leto in Full Metal Alchemist every time I say this. Say your name. <laughs> according to a Homeric hymn, they were actually born on Ortigia, and in Cretan mythology, they were born on an island known today as Paximadia. There was also a story where Zeus turned Leto into a quail to prevent Hera from finding out about his infidelity. He has a history of turning women into animals to Seriously. hide them from Hera. I'm just like, what the fuck? Okay, so the most stories depict Artemis as the firstborn, becoming her mother's midwife upon the birth of her brother Apollo. There's not a lot on the childhood of Artemis, but there was a poem by Callimachus where he imagines charming vignettes of a young Artemis in the mountains with archery. While sitting on the knee of her father, she asks him to grant her ten wishes. Number one always to remain a virgin. Number two, to have many names to set her apart from her brother Apollo. <laughs> Number three, to have a bow and arrow made by the Cyclops. Okay. Number four, to be the light bringer. Number five, to have a short knee-length tunic for hunting. I feel that. Number six, to have 60 daughters of Oceanus, all nine years of age, to be her choir. I had to look this up because I did not know this previously. But a Greek chorus is a homogenous, non-individualized group of performers who com comment with a collective voice on dramatic action, usually 12 to 50 players, who variously dance, sang, or spoke lines in unison and sometimes wore masks. And I'm just here thinking, hunting in the middle of the woods with 69-year-olds just commentating the whole fucking thing, dancing and singing. <laughs> That's... 60, the number, nine-year-olds. Yes. <laughs> I mean, maybe she's living the life. I don't know, but it's very specific that it's nine-year-olds. I don't know. And we mentioned that before when we were talking about nymphs, because they were nymphs. Yes. Number seven. To have 20 amnicides, nymphs, as handmaidens to watch her hunting dogs and bow while she rested. Same. <laughs> number eight. To rule all mountains. Number nine, to be assigned any city and only visit when called by birthing mothers because she don't got time for that shit. And number ten, to have the ability to help women in pains of childbirth. Artemis believed it was chosen by the fates for her to be a midwife due to her assistance with her brother's birth. All of her companions remained virgins and Artemis closely guarded her chastity. Other symbols include the golden bow and arrow, a stag, hunting dog, and the moon. 
In relation to men, only Orion, her hunting companion, won her heart. Orion was accidentally killed by either Artemis herself or Gaia. Accidentally? Accidentally. I'll eventually get to that. The river god Alpheus was in love with Artemis, but after realizing he could do nothing to win her heart, he decided to capture her instead. Suspicious of Alpheus, when she goes with her companions at Litronoi, she covers her face with mud, so she is unrecognizable. Trigger warning, there is a bit of sexual abuse throughout this episode. My half as well. Yeah, so if this is not for you, please be aware we totally understand and we do want to give you a bit of a warning prior. In another story, Alpheus tries to rape Artemis' attendant, Arethusa. Artemis pities the girl and saves her, transforming her into a spring in the temple Artemis Alphea in Latrini, where the goddess and her attendant drink. Bufagus, son of the titan Lepidus, sees Artemis and thinks about raping her, and after reading his thoughts, Artemis strikes him down at Mount Philoi. In another story, Saproites is a boy, and either he, because he accidentally sees Artemis bathing, or because he attempts to rape her, he is turned into a girl by Artemis. There are multiple versions of the myth of Acteon, although many are fragmented. Details vary, but this was the tale Leah previously told concerning Acteon spying on Artemis and being turned into a stag, which is in the nymph episode. In some versions of the story of Adonis, Artemis sent a wild boar to kill him as punishment for his hubristic boast that he was a better hunter than her. In other versions, Artemis kills Adonis for revenge. It happens. In later myths, Adonis is a favorite of Aphrodite, who was responsible for the death of Hippolytus, who was a favorite of Artemis. Therefore, Artemis killed Adonis to avenge Hippolytus' death. Tangled webs, they Seriously. In another version, Adonis is killed by Ares as punishment for being with Aphrodite. Which, I mean, mm. that's fitting, right? <laughs> I think that's the one I've heard of more often. Right. Concerning Orion, we're finally getting back to that. In some versions, Orion tries to seduce Opus, one of Artemis's followers, and she kills him. In a version by Aratus, Orion grabs Artemis's robe and she kills him in self-defense. Hmm. In another version, Artemis once loved Orion, but was tricked into killing him by her brother Apollo, who was protective of her maidenhood. Okay, that's fucked up. Yes. Now, crazy to think that even in other tales, Apollo is just as fucked up. But we'll get there. In the tale of the Alodae, twin sons of Poseidon and Iphidemia, Otos and Ephialites, grew enormous at a young age. They were aggressively skilled hunters and could not be killed unless by each other. Their growth did not stop, and they boasted that once they reached the heavens, they would kidnap Hera and Artemis for wives. Leave these ladies alone! Why does everybody want to kidnap the ladies? The gods were afraid of them except for Artemis, who captured a fine deer, or turned herself into a doe, whichever, and jumped out between the two boys, and they threw their spears and mistakenly struck one another and killed each other. Whoops. Another version has Apollo as the one who sent the deer. So, now we're going to get to the story of Callisto. Alright. Callisto was the daughter of Lycaon, king of Arcadia, and one of Artemis's hunting attendants. Thus, she had a vow of chastity. Zeus appeared before Callisto disguised as Artemis, or in some stories it is Apollo who gained her confidence and took advantage of her, or, according to Ovid, raped her, resulting in the conception of Arcus, 
a hunter who became king of Arcadia, who taught the art of basket weaving and baking bread. Enraged, Hera, or Artemis, or both, depends on the virgin, changed Callisto into a bear. Arcus almost kills the bear, but Zeus steps in just in time and places the bear in the heavens, which is the origin of the bear constellation named Callisto. Some versions have both Arcus and Callisto as bears in the constellations as Ursa Major and Minor. Artemis punished Agamemnon after he killed a sacred stag and claimed to be a better hunter than her. When the Greek fleet was prepping at Aulius to depart for Troy to commence the Trojan War, Artemis becalmed the winds. The seer, Calchas, advised Agamemnon that the only way to appease Artemis was to sacrifice his daughter, Iphigenia. Artemis then snatched the daughter from the altar and substituted a deer. Either Iphigenia was brought to Taurus and led the priest there, or she became Artemis's immortal companion. Just gals being pals. Speaking of the Trojan War, Artemis may have been represented as a supporter of Troy because her brother Apollo was the patron god of the city, and she was widely worshipped in western Anatolia in historical times. In the Iliad, she fights Hera when the divine allies of the Greeks and Trojans engage in conflict. Hera strikes Artemis on the ears with her own quiver, causing arrows to fall out. As Artemis leaves, Leto gathers up the bow and arrows. Artemis plays a significant part in the war, siding with the Trojans, for example, stilling the sea when the Greeks were on their journey to Troy. Aeneas, a Trojan hero, was also said to be helped by Artemis. Leto, and Apollo after Apollo found Aeneas wounded by Diomedes and lifted him to heaven where the three deities healed him secretly in a chamber. I particularly love the story of Artemis saving the infant Atalanta from dying of exposure after her father abandoned her. She sent a female bear to nurse the infant, and she was the then raised by hunters. In some stories, Artemis later sent a bear to injure Atalanta because others claimed Atalanta was a superior hunter. Atalanta participated in the hunt for the Laladonian boar, which Artemis had sent to destroy Caledon because King Onius had forgotten her at the harvest sacrifices. All these, like, slights that end in yeah. people dying. Atalanta drew the first blood and was awarded the prize of the boar's hide. She hung it in a sacred grove at Tegea as dedication to Artemis. Artemis was often depicted in paintings and statues in a forest setting carrying a bow and arrows accompanied by a deer. Ancient Spartans would sacrifice to her as one of the patron goddesses before starting a new military campaign. Makes sense. Yeah. Prepubescent and adolescent Athenian girls were sent to the sanctuary of Artemis at Brauron to serve the goddess for one year. During this time, the girls were known as Arctoi, or Little She-Bears. Which I thought was adorable. That is so cute. A myth explaining the custom states that a bear had formed the habit of regularly visiting the town of Brauron, and the people there fed it, so that over time the bear became tame. A girl teased the bear, and in some versions of the myth it killed her, in others the bear clawed the girl's eyes out, and either way, the girl's brothers killed the bear, and this enraged Artemis. Yikes. She demanded that the young girls act the bear, at her sanctuary for atonement of the bear's death. As a goddess of midwifery, dedications of clothing after successful birth to her sanctuaries was common. Hmm. There were very many festivals for Artemis. That is all <laughs> I wrote on that. Artemis also had a chariot of gold pulled by four golden horned deer. The bridles also were made of gold. She was also portrayed with a hunting spear. Almost done, guys. I know this is a lot. It's okay. 
she got her hunting dogs from Pan in the forest of Arcadia. Two black and white ones, three reddish ones, and one spotted. The dogs could hunt lions. Those are big dogs. Yes. And they, she also received seven female dogs, and Artemis only brought seven dogs to a hunt at one time. I wonder seven. why seven is special. I have no idea. Boar was often sacrificed to Artemis for it being a favorite for hunters and honor Artemis's skill. Oni- yeah, boars will fuck you up. Seriously. Both Onius and Adonis were killed by Artemis's boar. Hawks were also favored by Artemis. And the sacred plants of Artemis, now I've got to it. Thank you. This is the last bit, guys. Palm, cypress, amaranth, and asphodel. Did I say it wrong? No, that was right. It just made me think of Harry Potter. What part? It's one of the Snape parts where he's talking about potion. Oh my god, I just remembered it. Yes, Alan Rickman. So that is my long-ass explanation of Artemis. And in the Greek mythos, don't ever say that you're a better hunter than her. Yeah. According to them. Yep. Don't compare yourself to goddesses in general. Seriously. Don't don't... say you're as beautiful or more beautiful. Don't do that. No. No. (laughs) Don't say you're more skilled. No. Don't do it. Just don't do it. Because in every single mythos I read, if you say something like that about a god or goddess, mm. you're either dead or punished or turned into something as punishment. (laughs) And it's just never good. So just don't do it. Yeah. Yeah, that is your PSA. (laughs) Don't piss off the goddesses. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we will be back in a moment. And we're back. So, again, I want to mention that there is sexual assault in this part. And this week, I decided to talk about Medusa, or Gorgo, and her evolution. So our first mention of Medusa was in Homer's Iliad as a big detail where it says that Athena puts the aegis over her head and on it is Gorgo's head. Now, Adolf Furtwangler and Ulrich von Milimovich Moyendorf consider this a later addition, which brings us to the next mention in Hesiod's Theogony, where it says that the Gorgons were three sisters, Stheno, Euryale, and Medusa. Medusa was mortal while her two sisters were immortal. And among their other siblings were the Greyi, who were also called the Grey Sisters, that shared one eye and one tooth between them. This is important for later. And they were old, gray-skinned witches. So, you know, Disney Hercules. Good movie. Fucked up a lot of mythology. (laughs) So what they show as the fates talking to Hades, are not the fates. It's that characterization is actually the gray, the gray-skinned witches. So according to Hesiod, they lived, Medusa and her Gorgon sisters, Mm -hmm. lived together in the utmost place towards the night by the Hesperides beyond Oceanus, which is a poetic way of saying the island of Sarpedon near Kisthani, I guess. While other authors say that they lived in Libya. Now, the Hesperides were the nymphs of evening and also were counted as sisters to the Gorgons, along with Thusa, the nymph, and Scylla, and Laden, the serpent. So they have a lot of siblings. <laughs> oh my gosh. Unlike yours, but a lot like a lot of the Greek stories we've had in the past, there's different thoughts on who the parents are. Mm. 
perhaps most commonly are Keto and Forcus. On the other hand, some stories say that the parents were Echidna and Typhon, and Iyinus said that it was Keto and Gorgon. So we got a mix up of parents there. So from her, from Medusa, her children were Pegasus and Chrysor, but we're going to get into that later. Mm-hmm. Now, Aeschylus describes Medusa and her sister Gorgons as winged females with snakes for hair, and they were scary. But as time progressed, other authors like Pindar from an Odin 490 BC called her fair-cheeked Medusa, and after that, artists and craftspeople began envisioning her as both beautiful and terrifying, which, goals. <laughs> and the earliest versions, at least until Ovid's Metamorphoses, didn't mention the snakes in her hair at all. What? Yeah, they were originally not part of her. They were just terrifying, monstrous women, but she didn't actually have snakes in her hair until later on. Rude. (laughs) So there's actually a little bit of a reason which I'm about to get into. It's in Ovid that we see the story of how she was a beautiful woman until she was raped by Neptune in Minerva's temple, a.k.a. Poseidon in Athena's temple, since, like I was saying, he's a Roman poet. And in that version, we know what happened because Perseus is retelling the story of Medusa. And after explaining how he killed her, a listener asks him, why was she the only sister to have snakes for hair? And he says this. Oh shit, you're about to do it. Yeah. So Perseus replies, since what you ask is worth the telling, hear the answer to your question. She was once most beautiful and the jealous aspiration of many suitors. Of all her beauties, none was more admired than her hair. I came across a man who recalled having seen her. They say that Neptune, lord of the seas, violated her in the temple of Minerva. Jupiter's daughter turned away and hid her chaste eyes behind her aegis, so that it might not go unpunished. She changed the gorgon's hair to foul snakes, and now, to terrify her enemies, Numbing them with fear, the goddess wears the snakes that she created as a breastplate. Huh. And then you go on to the next book. So, that's where that story comes from. It's in Ovid, and it's Perseus saying, she once was a beautiful human person. She wasn't a monster like the earlier authors said. But because of what happened to her, she was turned into a monster, and her hair was particularly targeted because it was one of the things that made her so desirable that's rude yeah i don't like it i have a lot of problems with this story (laughs) i'm just like i cannot so the story of her murder is well known although retellings in the media i've seen have made it out as though it was a fair fight and it was not she was I had a lot of feelings about this, everybody. (laughs) I can say that when she read this stuff, she got into a tissy and she made sure I was aware. I'm very upset. How many bad feelings she had about this story. And is this when you're going to start telling your version? Yeah. Okay, so she straight up asked me, sassy version or more, what was the other type you gave me as an option? 
serious, probably. Or serious, and I was like, give me the goddamn sass, because I need the sass in my life, if it's this atrocious. So please, proceed. So this is the story of how that asshole Perseus decides to kill our girl Medusa. Word. Once upon a time, there was a king named Acrisius of Argos, and he had a daughter that was hella fine, named Hella Donnie. She was more beautiful than all other human women in his land. But asshole number one, <laughs> King Acrisius, I had to label them because there's more than one. So asshole number one, King Acrisius, wasn't happy with that. He wanted a son. Couldn't be happy with his beautiful daughter. So he goes and he sees the oracle at Delphi to ask her if he would ever have a son. And she told him, no. <laughs> and to add insult to his injury, Mm-mm. she said his daughter would have a son that would one day kill him. Easiest solution would have been for the king to kill his daughter before she ever has any kids. But even though he didn't have very much love for her, obviously, he was afraid of the gods who frowned upon those who spilled the blood of their family because the Furies would come after you. As they should. Yeah. So instead, father of the year, he goes home and he has a bronze house built that he sinks into the ground and he puts his daughter in there. What the fuck? And this was the whole plan so that she would never become pregnant with a child that could kill him. Wait, how does that work? If she's in a bronze, basically, prison, Uh no man can get to her to impregnate her. So then she won't ever have a child that will one day kill him. So it was a prison she couldn't get outside? Pretty much. That's rude. You could apparently get into it, though, because later on in the story, you'll find out. Okay. So, she's in this bronze prison. There's basically a tiny slit at the top that a little bit of air and a little tiny bit of sunlight can come in through. Fuck this guy. I'm sorry. I'm mad. That's why he's asshole number one. So, congratulations on you not being as big of a dick as you could have been. So, there was that little tiny hole in the roof I told you about. And one day, a golden light shone into the chamber, and she knew that she now bore the child of Zeus. What the fuck? It doesn't go into saying how she knew, but she knew. Oh, okay. So she's now pregnant. She eventually has the child, and she names it Perseus. And she tries to keep him a secret from the king. But eventually, the king finds out and asks her who the father was. And she said, Zeus. And he didn't believe her. Kind of typical of this guy. But (laughs) if someone said to you, yeah, uh... The child's father is Zeus. This is a Jerry Springer episode. We're all like, yeah, we know. We knew. <laughs> Zeus is always the father. He's always the father. Who's the father? Zeus. This guy. Yeah. <laughs> like, always. He's always the go-to. Not even surprised. So, he couldn't kill the grandson for the same reason he couldn't kill his daughter because Zeus and the Furies would be mad. So, instead, he decides to indirectly cause their deaths which i guess doesn't count what it doesn't make sense but anyway so he's like okay this is what i'm gonna do he has somebody build a giant chest and he puts her and the baby in the chest how big of a chest are we talking apparently big enough that you could put a woman and a baby in it 
close the chest, lock her in the chest, put the chest on a boat. That doesn't make me feel comfortable. No. No. The boat goes out to sea. They drop her in the water, in the chest, and leave her there. Boat goes back home. What? Yeah. So she's, she is holding her child in this chest, just hoping that the waves keep him asleep so that he doesn't get scared. Eventually, a wave takes them to shore, and they're found by a fisherman named Dictus. Dictus? Ironically, the only person in this group of men who wasn't a dick. But anyway, so (laughs) Dictus, the fisherman, breaks open the chest, finds out there's a woman and a baby inside, and takes them home to his wife. And they never had children. They couldn't have children. Mm -hmm. So they take them in. And for years, they're happy and they're just like quietly going about their lives. Perseus starts growing up. He's learning the fisherman trade. His mom's completely fine with that. She's like, she's a princess, but she's like, I'm fine with this. My father just (laughs) imprisoned me and then tried to kill me and my baby. So this is fine. We'll be fishermen now. (laughs) So she's happy letting him be a fisherman. Until one day, enter asshole number two, King Polydectes. He is the ruler of the island that they landed on. And the brother of their adopted father slash grandfather, Dictus. Dictus. So, asshole number two, King Polydectes, sees Perseus's mom and falls in lust. I refuse to say that he falls in love. The original says that he fell in love with her. I refuse to say that. He fell in lust with her because even though she was now old enough to have had a grown child, she was still fine as hell. Of course. So, he begins plotting ways that he can both have Perseus's mom as his own. But also not the baggage of a child. Wait, wait, who is this again that fell in love? This is King Polydectes. Oh, fuck this guy. Yeah. Okay, keep going. So, he's like, want the lady, don't want her kid. How can I, like, plot, plot, how can I get rid of this kid? So, the plot thickens. Polydectes holds a celebration in honor of his, air quotes, impending marriage to Princess Hippodemia and invites Perseus. And everyone brought a bride gift except Perseus because he's a young, dumb, broke guy. I mean, that makes sense. Right. And Princess Hippodemia was famous for her horses. Hmm. So people were like literally bringing horses and this guy does not have a horse. But he goes to the celebration anyway. Perseus, being a yum, <clears throat> yum, yum, <laughs> a young, dumb guy says to Polydectes, I'll bring you anything you ask for and polydectes is like perfect and he says bring me the head of medusa knowing full well that perseus would likely die as making eye contact with her turns men into stone as we know yeah all right so this was not a feat that mortal powerless humans could probably accomplish without help So Perseus ends up being aided by Hermes and Athena. As soon as he left Polydectes Halls, he boards a ship without saying goodbye to his family and heads to Greece to find out where Medusa lived. Okay, that's kind of rude. Yeah. Not gonna lie. He was like, they're totally gonna stop me, so I'm just gonna leave. (laughs) I mean, he was thinking ahead in a way, but at the same time, should I say goodbye? Like, he could have left a note. No note? (laughs) Bed's empty! (laughs) Can you just imagine? 
imagine that conversation? Like, somebody at the hall had to be like, go up to his mom and be like, look, I hate to tell you this, but I saw him leave. Yeah, he he made a bet with the king and uh, said he could bring back Medusa's head. And, and then he, he just, just peaced out. He peaced out. I watched, I watched the whole thing happen. Don't go looking for him, though. Yeah, you might want to start praying to every and all gods <laughs> to hope that he comes back. Because he gonna die. Poor woman. Yeah. This, Poor mother. <laughs> she has been through so much shit. She has. She's just like, can I have a moment of peace? <laughs> nope, you have the son of Zeus. Good luck. Right. At least you weren't turned into an animal. Right. So he gets on this ship and he goes to Greece. And he goes to Delphi. But all the oracle could tell him was to seek the land where, quote, men eat not Demeter's golden grain, but only acorns Hmm. so he went to the land of dodona which is the land of oak trees where the talking oaks were and the selly lived who made bread from their acorns it was here that he learned he was under the protection of the gods they didn't know where the gorgons lived but they did tell him about the gods helping him okay all right making a little bit of progress eventually he meets hermes who told him that before he could face the gorgons he needed to be properly equipped And that what he needed was with the Nymphs of the North. Nymphs of the North sounds like a band name. I need to look that up. Because if it's not a band name, I need to write that down. (laughs) And I wish I was kidding, but I'm not. I know. So, to find the Nymphs, he had to find the Grey Women. And if you remember, the Grey Women are Medusa's sisters. They possessed that one eye between the three of them, and they were blind while handing the eye from one person to the next. So in an act that makes him asshole number three, Perseus stole the eye from them and demanded to know where to find the nymphs. He would give them back the eye only when they answered. Hermes gave him an unbreakable sword and Athena gave him a polished shield. He found the gray women, he stole their eye, he got the information. He was headed for the Hyperboreans, where you can't reach by ship nor land, but he had Hermes with him. And so they reached the happy nymph's home and they were gifted three items, winged sandals, an invisibility hat slash cap, and a magic wallet that would fit anything it needed to carry. With these, his sword and his shield, he was ready to find Medusa. Hermes knew her location. So the two of them flew to the sister's island and found Medusa and her two sisters asleep. And I'm just, oh, every time I say it, I'm just filled with rage. Just filled with so much rage. You could see her. She's like making these claw movements with her hands. If looks could kill, this microphone would be dead. I'm like glaring at it. I'm so mad. It's all your fault. But it's not your fault. We know. I'm sorry, microphone. Bearing the brunt of Leah's rage. They were asleep. He hovered over them on his winged sandals and he cut her head off without her even waking up. While she was sleeping. While she was asleep. He put her head in the wallet and put on his invisibility cap and escaped her two sisters who awoke and attempted to give chase. That's sad. He and Hermes swiftly left, eventually making his way home where he turned Polydictes and his courtiers to stone and then puts Dictus on the throne instead. <laughs> There's a lot more to that, but this is not his story and I'm mad at him. So, oh, it makes me, it makes me so mad that he killed her in her sleep. Like... It's bad enough that he killed, he was in like shows and movies. They show him killing her while she's awake. And 
she's she wasn't even awake. She was asleep with her sisters on an island, minding her own business. And he just comes in and slaughters her like a coward. And it makes me a rage monster. So, there was no honor. Dishonor on your cow. Son, your family. And then, and then, he uses her head as a weapon. Which I didn't go into because fuck his story. But yeah, he then uses her head as a weapon. Fuck you, guy. Asshole number three. You, <laughs> I'm not saying your name anymore in this thing. So, you're mm, muted. I'm so mad. So from her neck, because she was pregnant with Poseidon's children, when he killed her, right. from her neck sprung Pegasus and Chrysor. And Chrysor was a giant wielding a golden sword, but there's not a lot of information on him. And everybody knows Pegasus as the winged horse. And I did cover that in that one episode. You did. And so Medusa has gone down in history as a horrible monster, even though most of the men in this story were more monstrous than she. In the last few decades, she has been adopted by women as a symbol of feminine rage. There was a lot of interesting stuff on the internet of the reclaiming of Medusa by women. And if you have time, check it out. Just look up Medusa and feminism. So there's also some stuff on Freud that I couldn't care less about. So I didn't write that down. He's not my favorite person either. (laughs) And that is the lamentable story of Medusa. So there's a lot, both modern recreations of her story and also things where she's a character in shows, movies, video games, and books. Too numerous to list. I have feelings about it. You okay? I will eventually be okay. Do we need to do stuff after this to make you feel better? Yes. I am going to need to go find Medusa the Plague Doctor to cuddle because I just... You are are out of sorts. I'm living. But anyway, reminders, everybody. (laughs) Make sure to check out our art for this week's entities on our Instagram at Coffee Table Mythos. If you want to share any art of your own of these beings, make sure to use our hashtag Coffee Table Mythos so that we and our followers can check them out. As always, if you have any stories or requests, please email us at coffeetablemythos at gmail.com. And remember to mention if you want a shout out of a name or handle, or if you'd like to remain anonymous, you can also find us on our Facebook page, Coffee Table Mythos. You can message us on here as well. Check out our merch on Teespring at teespring.com slash store slash coffee dash table dash mythos. We are adding more listings as we research more beings and make more art. If you would like to donate to us, you can on anchor.fm slash coffee table mythos. Or you can become a patron through patreon.com slash coffeetablemythos. For right now, all donations will go to making this podcast better. Thank you so much for listening. Please give us a like, follow, subscribe, share, and review our podcast if you have the time. We are interested in what you have to say. This is Coffee Table Mythos. We'll catch you next time. My blood pressure is like so high right now. (laughs)